Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Mike Broadbent joining me once again is my co-host Richie Schneiderite. Richie, uh, we had a bit of an extended hiatus here, and the basketball team is in a bit of a free fall. They've last lost their last three games. I believe it's their first three-game losing streak of the year. I think they might have had one last year. Yeah, they they did have one uh, last year. But this is a. Uh, I'm starting to get a little worried about this team. Um, let's just first talk about last night's game and kind of talk about some overarching trends we've seen in the last few games. Uh, and after that, we'll talk a little b-ball recruiting. But tell me what you thought about last night's game. They sucked. They flat out yeah. sucked. It, it was brutal to watch. Um, yeah, it kind of went back and forth a little bit. Uh, the time, I don't even know where to start. Uh, the, the shooting has been bad. The defense has been bad. The turnovers are just stupid turnovers. The fouls are kind of getting ridiculous. Um, back-to-back games with Paul fouling out. Paul, Paul shot three times if, yeah. if, as one of your top three scorers, and I think that's that's fair to say. You can't be shooting three times a game. Like, it's just not going to yeah. work. Um, three-point shooting minus uh, Hyatt yesterday, is, it continues to be brutal. And I, I'm not saying you have to live and die by the three like, like some other teams do, but you have to hit a couple. Like, you have to hit the like, wide open looks because that's yeah. that's the killer that Rutgers has. Is like they'll have a really nice play design and they'll kick it out to a guy in the mm-hmm. corner wide open and they'll just brick it. Like Spencer's just I don't I I I hope I I don't want him to be hurt, but I hope he's hurt for the in the sense that like that would explain why he's in this like such a deep slump. Yeah, but yeah, this this three point shooting is abysmal. Yeah, I'll get to Spencer in a sec, but like even Hyatt, like late game, there's a couple open threes he's taking and then he's just completely like rimming out and i'm like damn dude like what is going on here with this team like yeah. you, eight of 23 like we've seen too many single digit uh makes and double digit 20 plus attempts in games from three and it's just not it's not, not falling um yep. cam like you mentioned has just been the struggle bus um i don't i don't know what to say there other than he's like i think i said this in earlier in the season two actually it's, he's a shooter. He's going to hit him. He's going to have slumps, and this is just another one of his slumps, and this one's just taking a little bit longer to get out of. Um, once he gets out of that slump, I think he'll be back to normal cam again, but I don't think for the most part he can be like a number one option on most teams. It would be nice to yeah. have like another scoring, a better scoring threat, and then have him as the number two, ideally, but it's, it's clearly not happening. Um, you do have Hyatt who's stepping up. I, I got to give him a lot of credit here. He stepped up big time yesterday. Career high, 24 um, like I said, Paul struggled. Cliff on defense. I'm, I'm like, what, what's going on there? Like, yeah. what the, fuck? <laughs> the, yeah. the other big man Walker got the got the guy at a high post a couple times. He gets the ball, and instead of like looking to pass like a normal big man would, he looked saw the lane and just saw it was just him versus Cliff, and he was like not intimidated whatsoever. Just went up on Cliff, and I'm like, oh, oh, like we're not gonna like play defense here. Like, what yep. the fuck? Um, it's brutal. Losing mag sucks. It hurts a lot. And I, I know you mentioned it to me off pod, but like most of these guys weren't playing when mag was healthy. Now you need to throw in 
Tomquist, Miller, uh, even Reber's playing the four at times. They're trying everything possible to try to make uh, make these guys rotational players when in reality they weren't rotational players, what, two weeks ago, a week ago? Yeah, so let's talk about a little bit about what Mag did so well that's causing this team to, to kind of fall apart without him. So obviously he was a starter. He started every game this season. He was mm-hmm. also an excellent defender. So when you have Caleb and Mag on the court, they're both so big and so lengthy that they can basically guard almost any position one through five. And so they were, there's not many teams in college who have more than two really good scores. So when Caleb and Mag were on the, on the court, when they were playing man, they could just take out the top two scores. Now, obviously, if it's a guy like Zach Eady, you can't do that with Mag or McConnell. But for the most part, your top scorers in college are wings or guards. And so when Mag would come out, Caleb would just take the number one guy and they'd kind of play help defense. And when McConnell would come out, Mag would kind of fill in McConnell's role. Now, if you kind of take a look at some of the game logs, a lot of these guys, like you said, weren't playing in any kind of crunch time minutes or any big time spots for the most part in this uh, first you know half of the season. So the rotation was pretty tight between Paul, Caleb, Cam, Cliff, uh, Andre Hyatt, uh, Mag, and Derek Simpson. So those were like the main seven guys that were playing. So now that we don't have Mag, we're losing like, I believe, about 32 minutes a game. And we're filling that in with, you know, Wolfolk was playing a decent amount earlier in the season, but he got in the doghouse. He was he just kept fouling. He wasn't able to stay on the court. Palmquist wasn't playing at all. I think there was like a month straight where he didn't play until the MSG game. Um, no, he played before the game before that. So the Minnesota game and then MSG, he, he started mm-hmm. playing more. Uh, MSG, the MSG game is where Matt got hurt. Reber, you know, he's shown he's, you know, had his struggles this year as well. Jalen Miller wasn't playing a whole lot. So now you're playing essentially like four guys who were cast away at different points to help fill in those minutes that Mag gave you. And, this team is not that deep. It probably was only about seven players deep. And now we're trying, we're having to fill in, you know, arguably one of the best players in the big, probably the most, one of the most underappreciated players in the big 10. Cause he was also, you know, as the season went on, we saw his offensive game really start to flourish. He had a, an awesome turnaround jumper from mid range that he was using. Um, he had started to develop a really nice uh, corner three point shot. We all saw that in the Ohio state game to close that out. It was just a devastating loss, but these guys, the team needs to realize that, you know, we can't just kind of get down in the dumps about this. We have to move on. This is, a, you know, as good as he was, he's not coming back this year. So if they want to make a tournament run, like we all thought they could when he was healthy, they really just need to start figuring this out and just kind of, you know, mentally try and get over that, that hump. Yeah. And then on top, like I said it before, the defense or lack thereof, it's just brutal. Like CJ Wilshire averages seven points per game. Like, and this man came in, Went five of nine from three, yeah. and had seventeen. To to Minaga, or Tom, I don't know, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Minaga, Tominaga. He uh, he averaged twelve a game. He came out and hit twenty two, and that man was unstoppable. Not only like yeah, uh, like from beyond the arc, but even like on his drives, he had one reverse layup on, and I think Quiff was the big man down low, and I'm just like, dude, that kid is like five eleven. You're you're seven foot nearly, Quiff, like. Stop him. <laughs> yeah, they shot 58% from the field on 55 attempts. They shot 43% from three on 28 attempts. These guys were just – you got to give them credit because they were hitting open shots. But at the same time, they were creating way too easy opportunities for themselves. Like, we didn't close out on three very well. 
They were getting way too like I, I I don't know how they got so many open shots in the paint. It's insane. it's disgusting. Absolutely, forty points in the paint on a team that's significantly bigger than you. Yeah, like it's it's just bad. It's uh, and on top of that, like I know you mentioned before, like these these role players are not they weren't role players before, but now they're role players. Like between Palmquist, Miller, Wolfolk, and Reber, they went one of three. Like it's yep. <laughs> you need production out of the bench. We saw it last year in the last game of the season versus Notre Dame when no one scored. The game went to yeah. overtime and no one on the bench scored. Yeah, we scored <laughs> close to ninety points in that game. It was a double overtime game and not a single bench point. Unreal. It's insane. But no, I think there is some optimism here though. I know people are like already asking me on the boards, like what were they gonna win another game? Like number one, they play Minnesota. They're gonna win another game. Yep. Um number two is that you need to tell – someone's got to step up. I know, like, everyone's like, have a players-only meeting, players-only meeting. Just get the fucking coaching staff in there and just start telling them, like, yo, you guys want to win or do you not want to win? What the hell's the deal? Paul, yeah. you got to step it up. you got to start shooting more. Cam, figure it the fuck out. I don't know what's yeah. going on. Figure it out. And, Cliff, what happened? Like, you just regressed completely. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you're getting Cliff, abused by Walker. Like, so, Cliff, it's actually – pretty jarring how much he has regressed offensively. His free throw, his field goal percentage the last two years, 63%, 62%. This year, 51%. Like it seemed like for, for my, you know, untrained, not relatively untrained eye, it seemed like he was missing a lot more easy shots this year outside of dunks because Cliff, you know, on a dunk attempt is basically a 90% shooter, but everything else, it seems like, you know, he's under 50% and that's probably true. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't fully know what it is. He's obviously taking more threes, but he hasn't taken that many. He's taken 21 this year. He took six last year. I just think that like he's fundamentally a little flawed on offense. For you know, mm-hmm. when he does these like quick turnaround hook shots, he's not even really like looking at the basket. He's kind of like blindly throwing it up there. I don't really think he's developed a great post game. Um, his it's better his, than what it was. It, it's better than what it was, but it's still not great. His mid range shot is kind of like non-existent last year. He would, he would hit those knockdown like 12 footers pretty consistently from like the baseline. Mm-hmm. I don't think, I can't remember a single time he's hit that this year. And that's, you know, probably has at some point, but it's none are coming to mind. Yeah. But yeah, it's, it's, it's scary kind of the regression that we've seen on offense from a few of these guys. And even like, there's so many, t- there's a couple times and this was kind of interesting to me. So like, Cliff would get the ball kind of midway through the paint would get it. And then all of a sudden, wait for like the double team to come that would usually come after him, and they just didn't send a double team. So I think he just was like, "Oh, okay," and then would panic and either like make a turnover or just go up for a stupid shot. And it was like, "Dude, you can't expect a double team every time if you're open in that in he, anywhere within that range." He has really <laughs> struggled when he's passed the ball and he's double teamed. I can't mm-hmm. tell you how many times he's turned the ball over when he's gotten double teamed the last few games. Like it's just the teams have figured him out when he gets the ball, especially, you know, 15 feet from the basket, send help because he's going to probably, you know, throw it at the ground, have it get picked off, have it get swatted away. He's yeah. he really struggles when they send help defenders. Yeah. And on top of it all, I didn't even mention it. Stop fucking yelling at each other on the court. You're making, you guys yeah. look like assholes. Like just get it together. You're supposed to be the captains, calm it down, get everyone together, relax all in the same, um, the same flow and just, just figure it out. Like 
So anyway, maybe maybe you do need a players only meeting. I, I don't know how successful those things really are, other than the fact that it's like it becomes news for some reason. They had a players only meeting. Did you believe that? That all the players met together? Motherfucker, they meet together every day, like all day, every day. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. no difference. I, it's just like maybe sit a guy down and be like, hey, figure it out. They what are a bit overblown, like? but they they need to change something because they're clearly frustrated. Um, they, you know, they're now on the longest losing streak of the year. Mm. The, the Illinois game, we haven't, we haven't talked about the Illinois or Indiana game. The Indiana game, whatever, we played pretty well. It just didn't work out for us. The Illinois game, how long did we go without scoring in that game? Like There was a 10-minute stretch, I believe. 10-minute stretch. We led for the majority of that game. So I think we led for 25 minutes. I don't think Illinois had a single lead until from – so I'm looking now. They Rutgers took the lead there with 18 minutes left in the first half. <clears throat> And they relinquished that lead midway through the second half. So they basically had a lead for, you know, 60% of the game. And then they just didn't score the rest of the time. Um, yeah. It's ugly. I don't know, man. It, it was it was brutal. This entire little stretch is just, it's not fun to watch. It's miserable. They can't hit shots. They get frustrated at each other. Like, it's... I don't know. You just got to hope you can bounce back. You get a nice little break now since uh, this was a Tuesday game. You get one, two, three, four, four days. On Saturday. Yeah, so yeah. a couple days so off. Play three of our next five games on the road. They're all obviously Big Ten games. Saturday against Wisconsin, a team that t- typically is really good. Um, but this year is, in you know, they're experiencing a bit of a down year. I wouldn't say, like, any specific game is a must win at this point, but – I don't know. Like, like we were talking about Rutgers as a five seed, you know, two weeks ago. Now, like, if you're an eight or nine seed, that's brutal, man, because then you have to play the very likely you have to play a one seed in the second round. You can probably kiss your chance of going to uh, the Sweet Sixteen goodbye in that situation. But man, this is a team that really just needs to to make a run here in order to kind of bounce back in terms of its its seeding. Because I really don't want to see them become a nine seed. I don't even know what to say. Like this team went from four seed potential to five seed to six seed, seven seed. Now they're they were number two in the Big Ten. Now they're number seven, tied for well, tied for third or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah, this conference is miserable, and it's not fun. Like it makes no sense whatsoever. Like even last night, like Rutgers loses to a twelve win Nebraska team. Illinois loses to a. They're a 14-win Penn State team. Like, this this conference just – I hate it. I hate everything. It's brutal. It. <laughs> it's kind of like the Big East of, of old days where, you know, two-thirds of the, the, the league were probably making the tournament every year and everybody just beat the hell out of each other. Um, yeah. It's – I don't even know what else to say. Maybe they, they should be able to bounce back. We'll, we'll see what happens. But until that happens uh, – <clears throat> Got to keep uh, watching and just seeing what happened. I, I, I keep saying what happens. Like this, there's just nothing else to say about this team. Like it's just yeah. Uh, I, do wanna, still. Sh- I do want to shout out Hyatt though because I don't think he got enough credit for you know he <clears throat> is stepping up. Like he scored obviously a, a career high in points last night. He had 12 against Illinois, nine against Indiana. Like he is a guy that understands now that he's needed on this team, yeah. and I think he'll continue to to make noise as, you know, he gets more and more comfortable being a starter and being relied upon as, you know, arguably our top offensive 
option right now because <clears throat> you know you can't trust Cam. I think Paul the the way to fix this team is Paul needs to be aggressive constantly because his mm-hmm. aggression, you know, if he just keeps getting because he's fucking huge, if he keeps getting those like relatively <clears throat> open layups or getting fouled on layups, teams are going to start hit, sending help, which will create open outside shooters. Like mm-hmm. if he just you know drives and then gets the second defender, you know he'll kick it out to the corner and I'll take in a wide open three any day. You know sometimes they'll they'll fall down, sometimes they won't, but. I think this offense really needs Paul to be aggressive um, moving forward, especially if Cam's continues to struggle and without Mag. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's a frustrating time, but I wouldn't give up give up on this team. They're still a good team. It's just you know every no team goes through a whole season without a slump or without some downtime. You know, Rutgers experienced that middle of the last season, then they went on that like unprecedented run where they beat four ranked teams as an unranked team. That was the only time that's ever happened. And, college basketball history so uh, this is different circumstances but basketball is very momentum based both in game and in the season so i I think they could break out of this but they need to change some things you're not going to break out of this by doing the same thing repeatedly and like you said they have some time off hopefully pike can can get them back on the right track um yeah but let's kind of pivot a little bit because I, I think we've talked about basically everything we can with uh, the current team. Let's talk about recruiting. Uh, how is how is Rutgers doing on the recruiting trail? I know you said you had some uh, some nuggets to drop, and Sadie's in the background. Yeah, she's going nuts uh, over here. I don't know what she's doing. Um, she got the zoom. <laughs> I, just, I just heard her go underneath my chair, run in a circle, run in the hallway. I see back. her right behind you. Yeah, yeah she's, she's going absolutely nuts. Um, but yeah, no. Anyway, uh, so Nasir Cunningham just dropped the top five. It's Something to monitor, I guess, a little bit. Uh, Duke was his number one option, it seems like, but it doesn't sound like the, uh, the Blue Devils want him, per se. So it's more of like a case where it sounds like Memphis is probably going to hold the lead here. Uh, he's all NIL all all the way. Um, he's intriguing. So he's a Jersey guy. He's from Gil St. Bernard's. Obviously, Peichel's very close with the Gil St. Bernard's coach, uh, considering his son plays there. Paul Mulcahy played there. Every time I go to practice, uh, Coach Cena is there. Like it's just it's it's a good connection to have by by all means. But uh, yeah, so he was at Gil St. Bernard's. Went to Overtime Elite, which is like I don't even know how to describe it. It's just it's not working out for any prospect whatsoever. It seems like so it seems like all of them are just leaving Overtime Elite and going back to high school or going pro, whatever. However, have you heard are. that's what Nas's plan is to leave Overtime Elite? <clears throat> yes. So that's. Like a bigger rumor than I thought. I know we talked about it on the boards. We talked about it together too. Um, yep. It does sound like he's going to go back to the high school route next year. Uh, the rumor is Don Bosco. That would be crazy. That's where things get interesting because I know everyone wants to say that. So put it like this. Memphis is probably number one for Nas right now. And that's a big, he's going to visit there this weekend, this week, actually, I think tomorrow, today, something like mm-hmm. that. Um. It's it's intriguing now because the former director of the New York Rens uh, AAU program is now an assistant coach at Memphis. So that's where Nas okay. Cunningham comes into play. Now, if you put, say, a Memphis commit in Nas Cunningham with Dylan Harper at Don Bosco, which is a rumor, is Memphis going to take a little bit of a leap in Harper's recruitment? That's something I would keep an eye on. Well, also, because- I mean, obviously – Harper plays for the New York Rens, and he also knows the assistant coach as well. Yeah, I should have uh, prefaced by saying that. But, uh, 
Yeah, so now that's, that's going to be something interesting to take, keep a close eye on um, because Memphis is in his top five. I know we kind of just like, yeah, whatever, Memphis, Memphis. It's, it's Duke or Rutgers, but I don't know. It, it would be really interesting to see what happens there. Um, I do think it's still Duke or Rutgers with Indiana third, and I think he has Kansas and he has someone else. Who else does he have? It's Memphis, right? Memphis is his fifth. Um, for Nas for he, or Dylan? For Dylan. Um, Memphis, I believe. Oh, no, it's not Memphis. I take it back. Okay. I'm just going to rewind that entire thing. Um, yeah, so what I, is this top five now that you have it open? It's, have it it's Auburn, who he wants to visit still. Kansas, who he wants to visit still. Duke, he visited. And Indiana, he visited. And Rutgers, he hasn't taken an official visit to yet, but he will be. Okay. So, I mean, end of the day, I still think Rutgers has a really good shot at Dylan. I think Nas going to Memphis might help Memphis try to sneak in again because of that and the AAU connection, but I, I don't know how much. Um, mm-hmm. But it it depends. If I if you're Duke, would you take Nas just to try to get Dylan? Maybe. It's it's such a funny question to ask yourself because Nas is a top 10 prospect in this class, in the class mm-hmm. of 24, rather, and it's universal. Like Nobody has him ranked outside the top 10, but it, in order <laughs> – for, for teams to have to think about taking him, that, that to me screams that there's possibly, you know, some red flags there. Yeah, he seems very cocky. Um, I didn't actually like him when he was at Gil St. Bernard's. I thought he was okay. I, I thought the cockiness and attitude is a big issue. And I think that's mm-hmm. a big issue with a lot of recruits nowadays. I'll go back to, like, let me think, St. Joe's Metuchen. When they had um, Carl Towns, they had Marcus Towns, they had Wade Baldwin. I thought Wade Baldwin's potential was through the roof. The man had the ball on like a string and he was lengthy, a wing that everyone wants nowadays. And mm-hmm. just, he was just so cocky that most schools would just see that and just be like, no, like you're just, you're kind of put it nicely. Like you're kind of a dickhead. Like, <laughs> like stop being a, a jerk. Just be a, be a nice guy in general and you'll probably get a better recruitment. That's how it works most of the time too. Like, yeah, of course, like there's programs like, like Rutgers isn't going to turn away a five star because the guy's a jerk. No, like most programs won't. But at the end of the day, like if you're getting multiple like four stars and you're like, huh, this four star is a little, eh, we, we don't really want him. He's not going to fit our culture. At the end of the day, it's culture. Like I know Greg yeah. preaches it a lot. I know Steve <laughs> pre- preaches it a lot. That's that's what it is. Like you have to get good culture fits. One bad culture fit and the whole program could go downhill. Like yeah. completely. Yep. So. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's that's all we really got on Nas. Uh, Dylan, like I just said, still going to take a couple visits. Um, nothing scheduled as of right now. I'm assuming he's going to wait until after the season, um, just because it's it's getting down to that nitty gritty part of the year for uh, high school basketball. It does seem like he's going to uh, decide in summer. There's no specific timeline for that. Mm-hmm. We'll see where that goes, but. Uh, other than that, it's it's kind of relatively quiet for the most part. Not a lot of new offers. The staff's hosting guys here and there. Um, I saw a clip of Delquan Warren the other day dunk on someone. That was pretty cool. I'll post that in uh, on the boards. But uh, yeah, yeah, no, it's, it's it's quiet. Good to know. Yeah, it's uh, it was interesting seeing you know Nas Cunningham put Rutgers in his top five after us not really hearing anything, and I. It, I think we'd both heard some rumors about him coming back to New Jersey for high school, especially the, mm-hmm. the Bosco rumor. It's very intriguing to me because um, I think it's more likely that 
Dylan would help push him towards Rutgers, then Nas would help push him towards Memphis, especially because Dylan doesn't have Memphis on his top five. But everything can change with basketball recruiting. Who really knows? Um, I did want to send some shout-outs to our uh, different sports at Rutgers. Um, women or softball started off 5-0. and It's their best start in forever. I don't know how exactly long it's been, but they've played five uh, West Coast road games to start the season, and they've won all five. Yep. Uh, they have another game this Friday. Uh, baseball starts on Friday as well. They open up <clears throat> at Camel. Campbell University Campbell in North Carolina. Camels. <laughs> Campbell Camels. It's where uh, Bo Mascow's brother plays, Chad Mascow. Um, right. I forgot about that. Also, men's and women's lacrosse are both off to hot starts. They both have won their opening three games, um, three combined, that is. They're both also ranked in the top 10 for their respective uh, sports as well. They're both ranked number eight on Inside the Cross right now. Uh, so good starts to all of our spring sports for the most part. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, Maryland lost its first game in like two years Did. against Loyola this past weekend. So it's a rough one. Uh, so Rutgers has a really tough schedule if you look at it for men's lacrosse. They have to play they play Loyola Maryland soon they also play Princeton who's top 10 uh Ohio State top 10 John Hopkins top 10 Maryland is top 10 um so they have a total brutal schedule and let's uh, not ignore Army Army's not a pushover no matter what's Army's always good too yep women's lacrosse so. schedule is brutal too don't get me wrong like they play uh the 15th ranked team in the country, the second ranked team in the country, 17th ranked team, the 20th ranked team, the fourth ranked team, the sixth ranked team, and the 12th ranked team at different points this year. So no. both teams are in for a gauntlet, but they've started off to a strong start. So I just want to give those teams a shout out. Um, did you have anything else you wanted to, to mention before we sign up here? Um, yeah, the only thing I want to mention is uh, I got this bad boy in the mail the other day. Eric oh, Grand whiskey. It's uh, it's pretty good. It's, it's different. It's definitely not doing shot whiskey, although I thought it was at first. So it's a bourbon. Uh, yeah, a couple shots of those, and it's downhill the next morning. I can tell you that. Much. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm repping Lagrand to everything. I got the coffee shirt. Yeah, man. With the, the whiskey. I mean, I might as well just pour this in the coffee at this point. Um, <laughs> but no, it's 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 pretty good. It's it's uh, it goes down pretty smooth. Um, highly recommend. Uh, I know. I don't think it's in stores yet. Or it might be in like one or two stores in Manasquan because I know we had some kind of release party recently. But uh, it's online. Just order it. Ships to your door. They didn't even ask me for ID, so that was cool. Uh, it didn't matter, I guess. But most of the time, they're like, "Oh, you're 21." Like, dude, 28. Oh, like, give me, the, give me the bottle. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, pretty good. I, I do recommend uh, everyone trying it. And then uh, I think it says 520 per case is donated to that Christopher Reeve Foundation too. So it's for a good cause. So uh, if you like drinking and you want to help people out, it's the best of both worlds. Absolutely. Uh, another cool product that Eric's putting out. Um, you know, he's got the Night Society. He's got coffee. Mm -hmm. He's got whiskey now. Uh, he's and a busy man. His, his, his empire out. Um, uh, shout out to Eric. Uh, well, that's kind of it from us. It's been, it's a weird time of the year because, you know, football's in a dead period. They just started back up. Spring practice hasn't started yet. So there's not even like, there's just really not much to talk about, um, except for basketball. So we'll, uh, stay tuned to that. We don't have another game obviously until Friday or Saturday. So just, uh, stay tuned because 
still a lot of time left in the season, and uh, I feel I still feel good about this team, but clearly things need to, to change a bit. But yeah. for me and Richie, uh, it's been another edition of the Network Podcast. Signing off. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.